This is Kevin Pruitt with another episode of Rising Tide Startups. And my guest today is Kelly McCausey. Kelly, thanks for joining Rising Tide. Oh, thanks for having me. So tell our listening audience a little bit of background. Who is Kelly McCausey? Oh, so I always like to say I'm a, I'm a blogger, podcaster, instigator of communities. I, I'm also a coach, but that's not my primary business model. So I don't like to introduce myself that way first. Well, give us a little background, family background, historical so, background. I, well, I'm born and raised here in Michigan. Mm-hmm. I have uh, one son, all grown, married. He's given me an adorable granddaughter. She's three. She's just a part of my life. We embrace a multi-generational living. Oh, wow. So yeah. We got a house together after she was born. I travel quite a bit, so mm-hmm. it really works out nice for all of us. And I get to enjoy her whenever I'm home. I think I've uh, I've made my kids upset because I told them, I said, hey, if I could have figured out how to go right past you and go right to grandpa hood, I may have tried, I may have taken that route. So yeah, a little less stress. I think it's all the benefits without the stress of, of parenting. But yeah, well, thanks for that. Just adding that background. So so let's touch a little bit on, on your business. So give me the brief overview and, and maybe we're going to step on an elevator and you can give me the elevator pitch as we're going up. Okay. So my brand is love people and make money which everything I do is about content marketing and community building. I found early on that when I sunk my roots deep into a community of people that I loved, just looked around, spot their needs, seek to meet their needs, either meet them myself or meet them through an introduction to someone else, that that process of of building a community always leads to potential profit. And I actually got my start way back in the day um, in the work at home mom community. Okay. And um, when my son grew up and moved out, I it didn't feel congruent anymore to call myself a work at home mom, which is what led to the ultimate rebrand. But my heart and everything that I do has not changed much over the years. Let me, let's, let's take a little deeper dive into the kind of the community building aspect because I mean, the content building is, is very self-explanatory, but so how did you, I mean, you kind of touched on a little bit, but if you want to dive a little deeper, so how did you identify your specific tribe, you know, or your community? How did, I mean, what were some of the, the key characteristics of somebody that really resonated with your message or you resonated with theirs? Great question. Um, the work at home mom community. So this is going back to 2002 was when I got started and 2003, the next year I started my internet radio show. Mm-hmm. Some people would say, Oh, the work at home moms, that's, that's the community that you served. But actually mine was tighter than that because there were, there are so many different ways to work at home. I mean, you could be running a home daycare. Sure. And you would be a work at home mom right. that wouldn't really be my target market. So my market, it was work at home moms who were pursuing internet based income streams mm-hmm. who wanted to do something honest and ethical, who wanted to build something long-term, who really wanted to 
uh, it was okay to begin by trading hours for dollars, but right. ultimately in the long run to not have every dollar tied to some work that had to be done. Right. So people, moms who were interested in more passive recurring income streams, building something around an area of expertise that that's who ultimately started to show up around me. Um, wanting what I had. Now, had, had you started an online business and was it in a specific niche? So my start, I was, um, I was working full-time managing the office at my church. Mm -hmm. And so I wasn't making enough money to, to pay the bills regularly. I loved my job, but just couldn't, didn't pay very well. Right. And, but the skills I had built up there, desktop publishing, little graphic design were a little marketable. I felt so I started a website offering to help people with their desktop publishing. Like, you know, would you like me to design your uh, wedding invitation or design a flyer? And nobody ever hired me for anything that I was offering to do on that website. But a lot of people lined up and said, Hey, could you make me a website like that? Okay. And so I took a little step to the left and shifted my offerings to, to be around helping people with their websites. Back then, it was not as easy. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So I, I, that's really what brought me into the work-at-home mom community because my first customers back then were fellow work-at-home moms who needed some help setting up their shopping cart site. Right. Or a banner or a button. Right. Advertising. Like they were making maybe crafts or or selling specific products or something like that. And yeah, I mean, there were there were a lot of women, a lot of moms back then selling things like homemade candles and soaps and um, you know, yeah, crafts. And they were also, those are the early days of affiliate marketing. So mm -hmm. they were creating websites in order to promote affiliate programs or to benefit from ad income. Right. Right. So tell me, so when was the, or, or I mean, I, I'm assuming the shift has happened where you you're virtually all doing everything kind of online or everything in the online space. So what was that moment that you kind of, transition your business and decided, you know, Hey, I, I'm, I'm not going to work at the church any longer. And yeah. I'm, I'm going to now go all in on this new, new kind of side gig that has kind of grown. It was, it is, when I think back to it, I still remember, I feel 10, I get tension in my body when I think about that decision to leave my day job mm -hmm. <clears throat> because I started an internet radio show which the following year became a podcast and the listeners of the podcast really, you know, drew in to want to know more. Mm -hmm. My friend Alice Seba and I launched a um, paid membership site called it was mom masterminds. And basically there's so many scams out there for work at home moms. Sure. There's, there's so much really bad information still today, really bad information. And so we opened this up and said, you know, hey, pay us $25 a month. And here you will only get good information, high quality training. 
And that really took off. Like Alice was the person, Alice was the visionary in that situation because she knew that this would work. I doubted it. I, because I had a big um, poverty mindset going on for myself, Mm -hmm. but I was willing to play. I'm glad I was because it totally changed my life between the podcast, between selling ads on the podcast and running that membership site and then starting to do some consulting coaching on the side to help Mm -hmm. other people get started with a podcast from, from 2003 to 2000, to the end of 2005, my business income paid off all my debt. And I came to like the following month after all the bills are paid, I'm like, where's all this money in my checking account? (laughs) And somebody added a zero. Well, it was just, (laughs) it, I knew I was making the money, but I was paying all those bills. So it didn't feel that prosperous. It was in and And, out. Yeah. Yeah. And to be fair, I always, I am because of the target market that I was served. I was always ruthlessly honest about what that meant. Mm-hmm. I made about $25,000 at my day job. So my part-time gig had gotten up to making about that much. Mm-hmm. And that's when I looked at them and said, hmm, <laughs> what would happen if I did this full time? Yeah. And, and I went ahead, I went into my pastor's office bawling and, <laughs> and quit my job. So I'm, I'm assuming that kind of your target market has kind of shifted over time. I mean, so yeah. What is, what is your, uh, it's kind of a twofold question. I'll ask you the first one, then I'll, after you answer all, I'll follow up with the, the second part. But what, who is your ideal client today and what do they look like? And can you, I mean, is it, can you really narrowly define them or is it, or is it a little broader definition right now? It, there's, there's a very narrow definition of my perfect client, someone who might coach with me privately. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's the description of the community because right. I, if I were a coach, if coaching were my business model, I would have a really, in a really fine definition of who that private client is, and everything I do would be about getting those clients. Right. Yeah, that's not my model. So, so I'll answer the coaching question first. It's a, it's a, a very likely to be a woman. It doesn't have to be. Mm-hmm. but very likely to be a woman with expertise who's already benefiting from it in some offline place, whether they're speaking, writing books, consulting, and they want to bring it online to leverage it into some digital resources, yeah. a course, a yeah. membership, etc. Right. That's my perfect cons- consulting coaching client. That's the person who's going to come work one-on-one with me. Mm-hmm. My wider community, it, it widens out from there to be, again, mostly women who are really interested in building something, laying a foundation in order to begin building that reputation for expertise. Mm-hmm. Um, so my my community is made up of uh, service providers like virtual assistants and graphic designers mm-hmm. and consultants and affiliate marketers and bloggers and freelancers and, and yeah 
So, so that kind of segues into the question. So I've kind of got a, a middle, middle question here now based on what you just said. So um, you're, not, you're not just uh, focusing on the coaching side of things. Right. You know, if you said you, if you were, you're kind of a, your avatar, or your ideal client would be really easy and narrowly defined. So talk a little bit about what are your, like the various income streams and maybe how that's changed over you know, the last few years and, and maybe even add some percentages to it. Like I had, you know, 15% is this, 25% is this, and, and some, maybe some things as a lesson to our listeners, maybe some things that you've tried that worked well, some yeah. things that didn't work well. So you kind of take it in whatever direction you want to take it here with, I, I asked you 15 questions there in one. So go ahead. <laughs> so I, I have to tip my hat to Alice Deba, my first business partner, mm-hmm. because like I said, she was the visionary. She's the one that said, I think this paid membership site will work, even though everyone else said, oh, this is a frugal market. They'll never pay. And they were wrong. She was right. It was very profitable. So I saw right away in those early days that I could do work, create a course training mm-hmm. and profit from it long term. So I'm so grateful that I picked up that knowledge and experience in 2004. Um, So my business today is, I have five different brands that I am involved in online. My Mm -hmm. own love people make money. That's my baby. Right. I have a partnership with Nicole Dean over at Beachpreneurs. We do events, hotel conferences, and retreats and co-working retreats for entrepreneurial women all at the beach. Um, MomWeb's Hosting is a partnership with, I've been running that hosting company with uh, the awesome Scott, as my clients call him, since 2004. I have a couple of brandable content brands. Are you familiar with PLR, private label rights content? I'm, I'm not. So that, so I have those two brands with two other, with other business partners. And what I, what's really important is that these brands grew over all these years. I didn't come out of the gate and say, Hmm, I think I'll start five different businesses. Sure. We're, I was very focused. And, and so the hosting company was the first thing to come out to be run as a separate brand. And then later Beachpreneurs came out, came along in 2013. And then the PLR company came around in 2016. Um, So I do have these different streams of income, these different businesses with different business partners. But in my own business and love people make money, I have different streams of income. Right, exactly. So I have my coaching consulting, which is about 25% of my income. I sell digital information products and run memberships, which is probably, well, another 25% of the, of no, a little more, probably mm-hmm. 30% of the income that comes in. And then I have affiliate marketing. Right. So okay. my, when I'm talking about building a business online, I'm recommending things. Yeah. Software, shopping cart software, uh, web design software. I'm recommending training. Like somebody has a Pinterest course. Someone else has an SEO course. Mm-hmm. 
and much of the time those resources have an affiliate program attached that either pays me like a 50% commission upon sale mm-hmm. or a, a recurring commission if it's a membership or resource. So the, uh, the rest of my income comes from, from that. And now are these, a, can I ask you a real quick question on the affiliates? Are these, are these normally um, fairly well-known products and resources where they're, it's kind of a preset affiliate program or are these all negotiated or kind of a combination of the two? It's mostly pre-existing programs. Mm-hmm. Um, however, a lot of the people that I'm promote that I'm sharing with my community, I might I might have actually gotten to double dip the experience because they might have been my client. Yeah, exactly. Who I helped set up their product and their affiliate program, and they just happen to be a match for my community. So then I'm promoting it. Right. Right. Um, it's interesting that you asked that question because I think most people just look for pre-existing affiliate programs mm-hmm. to promote. But I was talking with my friend, Jessica LaRue, just the other day. She's from the sellingfamily.com. She negotiates unique commission opportunities yeah. for herself. Like if let's say someone <clears throat> has a program and they're only paying a 15% commission, which is kind of puny for a digital resource and she'll just reach out to them <clears throat> and say, Hey, I've got this list that you're perfect for, but your commission does not excite me. <laughs> and so she'll negotiate, you know, something else. And right. I think that's super cool. I want to start doing that. Right. And, and, and it maybe as other programs that, that really do fit your, you know, your niche audience, that may not have, you know, they may not have even thought about doing affiliates on their mm-hmm. own, you know, and, and you can kind of approach them and kind of, you know, uh, introduce the idea to them. Or like you said, yeah. I mean, make it more a kind of a bespoke relationship between you and the, the provider. So, yeah. Yeah. So, that, yeah. Joint venture. I, exactly. I did. Um, my friend Marusha Murphy was offering a program that I was really excited about telling my community and she didn't have anything set up yet. So no cart, no affiliate program. So we just set up a special link. She just went old school. Right. And I sent people the traffic. They paid and, and she knew that they were my referral and she paid me a, a bounty on each person who mm-hmm. signed up. Well, you keep bringing stuff up and it's, it's making it difficult as the host because it generates so many questions for you to ask you. And I'm trying to, trying to, trying to stay on track here and make sure I'm not throwing you any curves, but uh, (laughs) this, this whole idea, you know, that, that, you know, I, every time you mention another stream or whatever, it generates another list of questions, but talking a little bit about the community itself. So Mm -hmm. how, how big is the community? How active is it? Um, And, and maybe give me a, a little bit of, uh, you know, speak to me like I'm an audience member, which I am an audience member of Rising Tide, but speak to me as like, if, if I'm considering doing a community, what are some, you know, things to, to think about that you've seen work well in the past? That's, that's the perfect direction to go in. Um, because I'm really, I get really jazzed about it. So my community, <clears throat> a couple of years ago, we moved off of a private forum. I'd been on the private forum since the membership started in 2004. But 
around 2016, people started to say, you know, it'd be so much easier to engage over on Facebook because I'm already there every day. I resisted it heavily, but now we're there. That community is just over a thousand. Mm -hmm. And I actually trim that group a couple of times a year because I think people join Facebook groups with a very light intention to engage and then they never come back. Yeah. So we actually go through the member list and boot people who aren't active, who were never active. Right. Um, so when I say it's a thousand, I mean, it's a thousand. And when I look at my analytics, 65% of those people were active in the last month, which makes me really happy. And it would make my ego feel better if I could say there were 5,000 people in the group. But if there's 5,000 people and there's still only 600 people who are active, then that number becomes really meaningless. Right. So right. And there's a great article that talks about, you know, making six figure income with a thousand true fans. Yes. So, um, yes. which I think is really interesting, but so, uh, here we go again. You asked, you said something else and generated another question for me, but how do you get around the Facebook, um, kind of algorithms that say, you know, you can have 600 people in your community or you can have a thousand or whatever, but, but the things that you post don't necessarily go to all of those 600 or a thousand. I mean, how do you, is it based on their activity? I mean, if they have to be active to see those posts or how do you, you tag them in the post? I mean, you get 600 people tagged in a post. I mean, how do you get around that? So No, honestly, I'm Facebook agnostic. You know how people say someone who's agnostic about God will say, I believe he's there, but I don't believe I yeah, can't, or can't prove it. Yeah, that's way. exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I, the Facebook algorithm is such a mystery and, and I don't try to game it. Um, if whether or not I'm on a forum or a Facebook group or anywhere else, if, if I create a compelling enough reason to be there, they'll be there. They'll make it work. Um, the, and, and so people, people choose for themselves whether they leave on notifications for a group mm -hmm. and people choose for themselves how often they visit their favorite groups. Yeah, that's true. And the loyal members of my community, they just visit it. They don't wait for Facebook to tell them something's there. Give them permission. They just yeah. come tech in. Yeah, that's, that's good. That's a good word. That's a good way that, that, and you're right. It, it is a, it's a push pull. It's a, you know, it's a both and it's not just, yeah. you know, how you notify them through posts. It's, you know, are they proactively engaging in the community itself? Yeah. And that, that's, that's a good point. Yeah. So let's, let's, um, one other thing I, I wanted to chase a little bit is, uh, this whole idea you talked about retreats and, and live events and things like that. So you've been doing this over the past few years. So what is, um, how do you, how do you keep, keep doing that? I mean, how do you keep the momentum up with those events? I mean, it's gotta be time consuming. It's gotta be expensive. It's got, I mean, how do you, how do you generate continual interest in those? Um, does that, that make sense? Kind of the background yeah. of that question. So yes. touch on I'm, that as well. I've got the, I've, I'm, that question is so in tune. So we just had another event just a few weeks ago on Daytona beach, that's beach printers beach camp and, um, spring break central. Yep. 
Yep, we just missed. We go right after. After it's probably uh, safe. Yeah. Yeah. So, I'm all about content, new content marketing, and community building. So I'm going to generate content every week, no matter what. I'm going to email. I'm going to uh, share something on social, blog, podcast. Be out and about, active communicating with my community every week whether that content is focused on my next event or not it's the same effort so it it does when it does not take a lot of time the time is the time is the time right i'm going to spend the time what I focus it on is my choice and I choose that. I love the events. I love what the events create for mm-hmm. myself and my community. So, um, the other question is, isn't it expensive? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it can be, but there's my events are so low key. Like I do not put on those, uh, those fancy schmancy pomp and circumstance events where, thousand you know hundreds of thousands of dollars are spent on lighting and right fanciness yeah. and all the pizzazz my events are very low-key as analog as possible um because that's just me i'm i'm just not fancy um so it it does cost more than say doing something online mm-hmm. and it's it's not the time it's not the money uh, it's the risk that stops most people. Most people would agree that, yep, I'm going to spend time doing something. Might as right. well spend it on an event. I'm going to spend money on something. Might as well spend it on the event. But risk, if you put together something online and invite people to it and very people, very few people sign up, it's not that big a deal. People people plan things and then they those things go away for lack of attention. Yeah. Nobody really notices. But when you've signed a contract with a hotel or rented a beach house and paid a deposit to the to the VRBO people, you can't you can't just let it go away later. You are on the hook. Yep. yep. Um but you got to manage those expectations too. I mean, you you have an idea that when you host these things that you're going to have a certain percentage of yeah. your community that's that's going to engage in these and they may even be, you know, repeat yeah. you know, customers or or whatever, but um let me let me dive a little deeper here and I just want to I'm really curious that you know, you've been doing this for for a while now and so, so take us back to kind of early days of Kelly McCausey and what, what is the one piece of advice that you really wish you, you would have known when you kind of got in the maybe early to mid 2000s and maybe late 2000s that you're saying, well, I wish I'd have known that going in because that yeah. would have saved me a lot of time and effort. Uh, you know, I wish I would have believed in myself and my ability to create income because I had a, I I mentioned before I had a poverty mindset. Mm -hmm. I, I had ruined my credit and gotten myself good and broke very early in life. 
And so even as I was starting this business, I, I, I just wanted to pay my bills. I always had small hopes and expectations. Even after I had gotten myself debt free and was, and was feeling really good about the income that I was producing, making more than I'd ever imagined making, I still, I didn't believe that I could really do something that would create six figures. Um, so I didn't prepare myself for managing that kind of money. Mm-hmm. And I didn't prepare my mindset. You know, for if I could go back and, and look me in the eye in the mid, you know, like 2000, like right after I quit my day job, like 2006, if I could have looked myself in the eye and said, listen, this is great, but you in a few years are going to be making, you know, six, seven times this much. So start taking better care of your bookkeeping, <laughs> start putting money away and start investing in your mindset. You, you goofball, Kelly, you're capable of so much more because I, I, you know, that year that I quit my day job, like I said, I don't, I had generated about 30,000 from my business. Mm-hmm. and. I've always been really honest about where my income was. Within a few years, I, I hit that six figure, that first time I, cre- I generated six figures. And last year, I, gener- I doubled my income from the year before generating about $250,000 in revenue. I'm still a small fry in this world. Like, I got friends. Sure, fry's who- getting bigger. I get friends who make millions, you know, I don't make millions, but the, the pain of a, that I hate the word adulting, but mm. the pain of adulting around all that income, oh, tough lessons, lots yep. of stupid tax yep. from not being prepared. So what's one thing that, uh, that you think caused a, this mindset shift? The shift to where I am now? Right. Just the, you said you had a mindset shift. What, 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 was the, what was the trigger that said, okay, hey, I'm a, I've got to look at this from a completely different perspective, the dark side of the moon here. So what yeah. does it look like? Well, in 2013, I went to a, a retreat. It's called Radical Leadership. It's, they work with corporate and entrepreneurs. Um, a lot of big, big companies like mm-hmm. Target and UPS send their people to these retreats to develop their personal leadership abilities. And one of the things is that they really drive it home that you're responsible for your life. You're responsible for the choices you make. And at that retreat, I was taught, we were talking about prices and you would, I, I'd be embarrassed to tell you what I was still charging for my coaching consulting at that time. And um, just a couple of conversations around people who I'd helped start their businesses and the success that they'd created. Mm-hmm. The, the, just, just the testimonials and success stories of my business, the impact I've had on other people just kept getting mirrored back to me. Like I was, 
I was still like doing coaching calls for 50 bucks. And in my mind, that's, let, that's huge money. I'm, I'm a college dropout. I'm a high school dropout. I'd never made more than $11 an hour at a day job. So $50 an hour. Oh my word. That's mm. a lot of money. <laughs> but they kept mirroring back that, look, you helped this person and now they have a six figure business. You helped that person. And now they have, you know, 10,000 listeners on their podcast every week. Mm. They kept mirroring it back. And I'm like, it's slowly dawning on me. The value of my time is not is not based on my education or 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 anything like that. My the value of my time with a client is the impact right. that it creates. And that that truth that I bring value by showing up not because of anything else. I just bring it because of I show up and it creates an impact and that is worth money. So, so the mindset really started to shift there where I just understood I bring value and acknowledging that leaning into that. Yes, I raised my prices, but that's not as, as much as I did raise my prices, I still don't charge what a lot of people charge. And I don't want to because mm-hmm. it's not my primary income stream. Right. I want to work with the people I want to work with. But I think the more I just own it, that I bring value, mm-hmm. not just as a coach, but as a podcaster, blogger, course creator, event host. Right. The more I just own it and relax about it, the more people just start showing up and saying, yes, I'm not, I'm not an airy fairy fluffy person. I, I do not pretend to know anything about law of attraction. I don't know. I don't know anything. Don't care. But as I relax and owned my value, people started to come and value me. That's a that's a great segue into the next next section that I'd like to head into, and that that really is kind of kind of as we're as we're kind of headed toward the the latter stage of our chat today. Is I really want, and you've already done this multiple times, so this is like one more opportunity for you to teach our audience. Just, but let's let's segue into an area that we call the Rising Tide Micro Course, and yeah. I, I really want to just unleash your inner teacher here and just you know, give us two or three key points about, you know, your area of expertise and, and something you think would really be of value to our listeners. And I'm just going to step out of the way and, and you have the lectern here. So you're awesome. on. Awesome. Thank you. So since we've talked about community building, let's, let's talk about starting a, a Facebook group, starting a community. Realize that as you create content, as you blog, podcast, create courses, whatever you're doing, even if you're selling a physical product, there are people coming and buying it, and they would probably like to know each other, not just you. So by creating a Facebook group or any, any other environment where you can let people get together, you're going to let them come and spend time with each other. And I want you to think of yourself as the host. You are the leader, but you are not the ruler. You, the first thing I want to encourage you is don't create a big, long list of thou shalt not mm. in your Facebook group. I got to tell you, I'm a grown up. 
I do not need you to tell me what to do and not to do in this big long list. And some people, some community leaders, they put on this ruler hat and they become a little despot and they, they treat all their members like little unruly children. They publish this great big list of rules. You shall not promote yourself. You shall not post links. You shall not post this. You shall do this on this day only. And then they wonder why their Facebook group is dead and they have no engagement. And it's because you made us want to run away <laughs> from all the rules. You know, like a bunch of rules of how to do things right is great for a kindergarten classroom, not so great for a college classroom. Think about it the same way. So if you're gonna start a group, first rule, just don't create rules, just deal with situations. You know, I have a face, my Facebook group, every once in a while someone shows up and they spam me. I just delete their post, shoot them a note, say, that's not okay here. Come get to know us and then maybe we'll care about what you have to share. I don't need to go put a no spamming rule on the website. So the next thing, if you're starting a brand new Facebook community, a lot of people say, how do you get the engagement going? First thing you need to know about that is that the, there will never be more energy and engagement in the group than what you bring. So you have to be prepared to show up, be engaged, ask questions, share answers, respond to other people. And one person cannot kickstart a Facebook group in my experience. So I want you to think about inviting three compatriots, three friends, like three partners in creating engagement in the group. Maybe they're going to be customers of yours, faithful, loyal customers. Maybe you want to reach out and say, I am looking for three people who will help me kickstart conversation in my group. But here's the secret to this. Be super specific. I'm looking for a commitment of 30 days that you would visit the group at least five times a week, that you would start three conversations, and that you would respond to three conversations that someone else has begun. And just say, would you commit to that? And let them say yes or no. You're not asking for too much. These are people who are already engaging in communities. So if they say no, fine, go ask somebody else. But if, if you and three other people are engaging and now you're inviting people into your group, they're coming into an active space, an active conversation, and it's easier for them to jump in. Nobody wants to be the first person to start a conversation at the party, <laughs> especially introverts. Introverts are not going to start conversations until they get really comfortable with it. So find those three people, get that commitment, be really specific. Don't hesitate to hold them accountable to it. If at the end of the first week they haven't shown up, shoot them a note, say, hey, just want to remind you, this is what, this is what we're doing. Are you still a yes? Because if you're not, I can find someone else. You want people who want to be there. And don't hesitate to choose three more people the next month if you feel like you still need to build that momentum. Mm -hmm but there's going to come a moment where the conversation just starts to take off. 
So no rules, get help, and invite, invite, invite. So put the invitation to the Facebook group on your emails, your receipts, um, uh, when you're communicating in other groups, when you get the opportunity to share, share that you have the group. Just take every opportunity to invite people into the this next layer of the relationship with you. What a great micro course of just how to how to engage. I mean, I'm glad that that you you touched on that specific topic because we had talked about it earlier about you know engagement in, in Facebook groups and community and and for our listeners that was not a that was not a plant question that was <laughs> that was strictly serendipitous that, that it was awesome. touched on that so it was it was great great uh, follow up to things we had talked about earlier so as we, as we wrap up today is there anything that I haven't touched on haven't asked you about that you just want to specifically just leave us with a just one liner of just a value or or touch on something for that you think would be very beneficial to our listeners and then just tell them where they can find you online one thing I know that's true for my entire community is that is that they want to publish content they're proud of for a community of people they love so if that's if that's not happening for you on a regular basis love people make money is a great resource because i interview people who are i share resources that help you do it and i'd, I'd love to connect with anybody there and the website is lpamm.com correct yep all right i'll get you there all right. Well, Kelly, thank you so much for uh, just taking your time today. It's been a pleasure chatting with you and engaging with you and, and our Rising Tide audience. And just thanks for all the value in, in just a, a very short period of time. But you, I love the way that you kind of framed the, your answers. And, and it wasn't just answering questions. I mean, there was, there was just a lot of content, a lot of, lot of depth in, the, in your answers that you gave us today. And especially the micro course that I, I know people will receive value from. So, but thank you again for just, just, doing the uh the like i said just taking the time and and adding value and just playing your part in helping all boats rise in a rising tide kelly have a great day thanks you too bye